What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, works of charity, acts of justice, and the list will go on and on and on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, study and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But my disclaimer is this, I am not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, then please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become the saint that God wants you to be. If you are a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh and spell the words A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can give me comments, critiques, glory stories, your own um, feedback and, and future questions for, for future shows. You can also share us on the social media pages and rate and review us on the different podcast formats that are out there. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it has been a gift for you, potentially it can become a gift for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about what do we do whenever we are waiting to enter the church. Like we've already signed up for RCIA. We want to receive the sacraments, but we are not living the sacramental life just yet. Also, uh, we're going to talk about communities specifically. Um, what are some good communities to join if we are, you know, out there by ourselves, we're the only young person in our parish. We're not seeing too many other people that uh, we can relate with. And then also, is it okay to join fraternities and sororities whenever we go to college? So stay tuned for those responses to those questions. But before we get into those questions and before we get into those responses, I want to share with you a glory story. <laughs> Glory story. There's always so many. Um, I guess the biggest glory story right now in my life, I whew, it's been a busy, busy week for me as a priest. But um, I had I participated in a Bible study. I'm leading a Bible study on Tuesday nights at LSU, and it was just straight fire. That study was fire. <clears throat> that study was fire. Hey. Bible studies are fire. And it was, it was so good. We talked about the call of the first apostles, specifically St. Peter. And it was just so beautiful for me to hear the students uh, pray. There was freshmen there, all the way to grad students, uh, all from different backgrounds, different walks of life, um, different areas of Louisiana and even beyond Louisiana, um, beyond this nation, even uh, from Africa. And so it was just, it was so delightful. I love to hear people as they share their hearts about what Jesus is saying to them in the scripture. So love, love, love Bible studies. They're, they're, they're the best. I, uh, I honestly, I forgot how, how life-giving it is for me to just sit and, and watch and witness the Holy Spirit do his thing through the word of God. So I would say that my, my, my Bible study this past week is probably my glory story for the week as well. Maybe I mentioned that on a previous show already. Did I mention that 
if, if I did, my bad, uh, I've recorded a couple of shows this week, so I don't know if I've already mentioned that. If I did, then whatever. It's, sometimes it might be good to say it twice. So I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. Hey. Uh, also, we get some feedback coming in from Maria. <clears throat> it's like Carlos Santana. Mm. Maria, Maria, do, 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 do. you remind me of West Side Story. Maria's coming all the way from Australia. She says, hey, I'm from Australia and I listen to your podcast each week. Thank you for your wonderful teachings and efforts. God bless Maria. No, God bless you, Maria. Thank you for listening, for tuning in. Uh, I, I hope and pray that the podcasts are a gift for not only you, but for the people who you are in relationship with all the way over there in Australia. So, with the glory story out the way, with the feedback being done, let's go ahead and jump into today's first topic. All right, first question comes in from Caleb. Caleb says this. Hey, Father Josh, I'm currently going through an RCIA program, and I look forward to joining the church this Easter. With that said, I sometimes feel a lot of fear and anxiety about being unbaptized and not in communion with the church. And a lot of the reading I've done about combating sin or striving for holiness, it seems like a lot of advice is for people who are already Catholics. For instance, receiving the Eucharist more frequently, confessing more frequently, etc. What advice do you have for someone like me who already feels very convicted about the Catholic faith but is unable to fully participate due to being unbaptized and not a member of the church? Thanks for everything you do, Caleb. Man, Caleb, that's a great, great question. So when I started praying for you, I was drawn to the early church uh, because did you know in the early church that the the process for becoming a Catholic uh, was three years. It took over three years. Uh, Saint Hippolytus, he was around like 170 to 235 um, after Christ, and he describes this this process. And basically, the process in the early church involved you living a a moral life. As a catechumen, you intentionally listening to the, the word of God, hearing the gospel, spending time learning about the teachings of our faith, just so that they could make sure that you weren't joining the church for like a superficial reason or for a, a reason that was uh, just false motives or whatever. And then after the, the three years were, were over, um, then you and your sponsor, whoever it is that would be accompanying you, mentoring you, discipling you, you would be subjected to an interview um, by the church uh, regarding your lifestyle, their lifestyle, and the habits that you have been cultivating uh, to, to be a Christian, right? to, to, to manifest Christian virtue. And then after that, you were brought in the church at the Easter Vigil. So back then, like, man, you might have fallen in love with the sacraments, and uh, but you weren't able to receive them until three whole years. So praise God, RCA is not that long uh, anymore. Then in the fourth century, St. Ambrose, he um, broke it down that there were the steps would be broken up into the catechumenate, the Lent, and the mystagogy. And so the catechumens uh, were basically, they were given they were given instructions on the moral life, specifically through the Proverbs in the Old Testament. Um, and they were also given examples to follow. So like look to these particular people, saints from the Old Testament and also holy people that were in their lifetime, the martyrs, etc. And then the Lenten period of of your catechesis was that time where you intentionally fasted and avoided the near occasion of sin and offered up penances for your your sins that you've committed 
in your life up to that point, um, just to try to help you to detach from bad influences, uh, people, places, things that, that weren't good for you to, to grow in holiness and filling your mind with more scripture, filling your mind with holy music, filling your mind with more teachings of the church, filling your mind with more beauty um, so that we could try to get out things that were not so beautiful from back in the day when you was young, you're not a kid anymore. And then finally, the period of mystagogy took place after you were baptized and after you were brought in the church. And this is with the season of you walking intentionally with the church um, as a member of the body of Christ, uh, sharing in ministry and in apostolates and in works of charity, justice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what then can we derive from this, from the early church for you today, Caleb? I will say a few things. I'll say number one, Establish a rule of life with the Bible right now. You don't have to be baptized to read the Bible and specifically imitate the early church and dive into Proverbs. Dive into Proverbs so that you can begin to see areas of your life where you can cultivate virtue and oppose certain vices that might be operated in your life right now. You can fast right now, right? You can fast today. You don't have to wait till you're baptized to fast. So you can read scripture. You could participate in fasting at least once a week from, from food by drinking water and eating bread only for the whole day. You can also um, study, right? You can study with Father Mike Schmitz through the Bible in Your podcast. You can study through our Ascension Presents videos, through our podcast and other things like that, in addition to that which is being uh, given to you in your, your church community, your RCA program. You can have fellowship right now with other brothers and sisters of the body of Christ, particularly the poorest of the poor. You can feed those who are, are hungry. You can clothe those who are naked. You can visit those who are in prison. You can uh, welcome those who are strangers. You could take care of those who are sick and suffering. You can have fellowship with people right now in the body of Christ um, right now as an unbaptized believer who is awaiting baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist at the Easter Vigil. Get plugged into organizations like St. Vincent de Paul. If y'all have that where you're at, or Catholic Charities, those are really good. You can pray the Rosary now. You can pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet now. Like There's so much you could do. You could go and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and have maybe like a weekly holy hour with the Eucharist. Um, one of the, the, the beautiful images about the Eucharist is when we go to adoration, the, the, one, of the, one of the gifts of adoration is that adoration of the Eucharist, of the Blessed Sacrament, it draws us to want to consume even more. And so uh, it's like going to like a steakhouse and getting a really juicy, buttery, sizzling steak. And they, they, the waiter puts that steak before you. And then the waiter says, OK, I want you to wait a minute. And I want you to just look at this steak, smell the steak, right? gaze at the steak. Pretty soon you're going to be acting like that dude off of that movie. And you're going to be saying, get in my belly. I want you. I want to eat you right now. And so the same thing applies with the Eucharist. If we go to adoration and we look at the Eucharist, it's going to draw us to want to live a life that will be ready, conducive to receive the Eucharist, to receive Jesus, the Holy Communion, to where we don't want to just look at him anymore, but we want to receive him all the more. And so I would prioritize Eucharistic adoration right now. You hear that there's a train that's going off right now. Do you hear that train? I don't know if the mic can pick up, pick up that train or not. I'm preaching at a different parish this weekend. There it is again. Choo choo. <laughs> what noise does the train make? Choo choo. That train be going off at like 3 a.m. in the morning. A brother be trying to sleep. And uh, I wake up and then I pray because I'm up now. So thank God for the train, for that beautiful gift of an inconvenience um, for me in my very privileged life that I live. Uh, there I am having first world problems, complaining about a train whenever other people in the world don't have access to clean water and good air. So there, there goes I. Right. So anyways, 
So those are just a few things that I would encourage you to do. Remember, Caleb, in the early church, the apostles, it says in Acts that they were devoted to study. They were, <laughs> there goes that train again. They were devoted to study. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to fellowship. And they were devoted to the sacraments. Um, and so though you cannot receive the sacraments right now, you can devote yourself to the blessed sacrament and adoration, devote yourself to study in scripture, devote yourself to fellowship with the poor, the poor um, and devote yourself to um, prayer prayer of the rosary, prayer of uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet, prayer of Lexia Divina. So that's that. All right, man. Hopefully that is helpful for you. Next question comes in from Christy, and it's about fraternities and sororities. Uh, Father Josh, are being members of sororities and fraternities considered idolatrous? I know most, if not all, are named with part of it relating to Greek gods and goddesses. It's called Greek life, and I've heard of the pledging part being unusual and very secretive. Christy, so there's a, there's a few things. Um, I think that, number one, before we do anything, we need to imitate Jesus and pray. Before Jesus even prayed and fasted, he prayed in the Jordan River whenever he heard the Father speak to him and say, you're my beloved son. Uh, before he preached his first ser sermon, he prayed and fasted for 40 days. Uh, before he called the apostles, he prayed all night. Before he entered into his passion and death, he prayed in the garden. So before these big events in the life of Jesus, he was always found in prayer with the Father. And so before anyone considers joining a fraternity or a sorority, um, they need to pray. That's a big decision to commit to paying money to joining a frat or a sorority. So first things first, I would encourage you to go and spend a consistent and intentional amount of time with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in prayer and discern, God, do you want me to go do you want me? And, and why would God call you to potentially go? Well, you know, there's a gospel mandate. Go make disciples of all nations, races, tribes, and tongues. And so people who are in frats and sororities, they need Jesus too. Um, and so potentially Holy Spirit might invite you, um, might invite you to join a frat or a sorority to share the joy of the gospel, to, to draw them to discipleship, to be a witness to them of a life of prayer, of a life of good works, of a life of evangelization, discipleship, and catechesis, potentially. But there are a few things you need to be weary of. There are some frats that were founded um, directly from the Masons, right? And so you need to do research into your fraternity and your sorority to make sure that they are not in line with the Masons. Now, go ahead. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm not a frat guy, but I know some frats, they have those secret initiatives where you get blindfolded and you do all that different stuff. That ain't good. So why do you think that it means nothing? Like think what we do with our body matters, the theology of the body matters. I know for sure that like the KAs are are rooted in in the Masons. Like the Masons are like it's, it's a direct you know fruit of the Masons. So again, if you're a KA, then I would encourage you to maybe take a second look at your fraternity and say, should I belong to an organization that was founded by the Masons when the Masons were founded to destroy the Catholic Church? If I'm a faithful Catholic, is it conducive for me to be a member of this community? Now I know as I say this, everybody who's listening who is a frat guy who is in the KAs is like turning your hair right now, like what? This is terrible. What look? What, 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 what do you do if, if that's you? Well, I would just encourage you, because of the, the, the rituals and the, that you do are like, that's the same rituals that are done in, in, in Masons, I would encourage you to do a renunciation of the Masonic stuff. Like there's like different renunciations that you could do 
to renounce whatever whatever deal you made with the Masons by by doing those particular rituals. So number one is to like examine what's the history of this frat. Is it a Christian frat? Is it a non-Christian frat? Is it a frat that is founded by the Masons? Was it not founded by the Masons? Then examine the the fruit. Examine the the, the fruit of the, those particular frats and sororities. The people that join them, do they typically live lives of moral virtue or do they live lives of sin and chaos? And then am I in a place and space that I'm able to to join this community and be a bridge for them to come to Jesus? Or am I too weak? Am I in a place or space that if I join, they would draw me further and further and further away from Jesus Christ and away from my faith and the sacraments life of the church? So that's the, the, the other point is to examine the, the fruit of people you know have entered. And then if you have already entered, then to, to, to ongoingly be free to discern, to stay in or to leave. If you notice that, hey, this really isn't helping me. Like when I, I, I've been getting drunk ever since I joined this community. I've, I've experimented with drugs. I've lived a very promiscuous lifestyle, the hookup culture. I've been mean to people. I've gossiped. I've judged, et cetera, et cetera. If you're not manifesting the fruits of the spirit, then what fruits are you manifesting? And what's more important, a relationship with God on earth as it is in heaven or the opinions of others by staying in a community that's not good for us? So I do know some people who are in frats and sororities and are disciples of Jesus Christ, and they've been able to evangelize and share the gospel, and they've been able to do good works um, in their frats and sororities. And I also know other people who they've entered the frats and sororities, and they entered as a Christian, they entered as a faithful Catholic, they entered as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And by the time they left college, they left Jesus and they left the church and they left their walk of discipleship because it was just too much for them. Um, they, they weren't able to, to do both. And so uh, discernment, discernment, discernment is very, very necessary and ongoing discernment as well, right? Ongoing discernment is really, really important. And so um, learn the history of the frats and sororities and then also examine the fruits and discern am I called to help them become disciples by joining the organization or by being a friend of their organization by walking alongside them but not actually joining them because I, I don't um, I might not be able to do that in that way so um, can it be an idol yeah anything can be an idol anything can be an idol if you put anything before a god if you put the frat before a god if you miss Sunday mass because of the frat and sorority things that's called idolatry and that's a sin and so I chose to go to a to, to rush over mass that is a sin right because we're putting something less than God before the Almighty God and so if if it is an idol in my life then um, I need to discern what is the Holy Spirit calling me to do so that this idol can cannot be operative in my life uh, right now or in the future so hopefully that was that was helpful um, Christy uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about then finding community whenever there doesn't seem to be people who are in my age group, around me, in my church parish. Hi, we're Jackie and Bobby Angel with Ascension Presents. And we wrote a book. Yay! Ta-da! <laughs> um, it's on discernment, which is figuring out the will of God in your life, which can be an exciting and yet exhausting endeavor. It's called Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, Five Steps to Discerning God's Will. And we wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. You might know him. <laughs> you may know that guy. The book is concise, but there's lots of wisdom for any person that really wants to do God's will. And is a, it's a journey trying to figure out what God wants for your life. And so there's a lot of wisdom from 
things we've learned along the way. There's testimonies and, and parts of our stories to help you out. Really, like, this is a book I wish I had as a young adult. Like, this would have helped me a lot in my 20s. Discernment is a question we get asked all the time. Where is God calling me? What am I called to? What vocation am I called to? How do I know if I'm supposed to take it? this job? How do I know this? So we wrote this book to help you along the way to give five steps to discern whatever decision you're making and hopefully to give that peace and that joy that will come from making that decision. And the, the main goal is to help you grow closer to God along the way. So maybe not you, maybe someone in your life is wrestling with a really tough decision and you want to give them some kind of resource or encouragement. It's for if you've got a big decision, period. Yeah. So go get your copy of Pray, Decide and Don't Worry. Go buy one for a friend. Buy one for someone who's not your friend. Love your enemies. <laughs> buy them this book. <laughs> go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy today. All right. Last question comes in from, I think your name is Ink. Inky or Ink? It's about finding community. Dear Father Josh, I'm a 37-year-old cradle Catholic from the Netherlands and the proud mom of a wonderful baby boy. Shout out to all the mamas. Uh, over the last 10 years, yeah, I know I've been slowly finding my way back to the church. I'm now attending Mass regularly, have made prayer a part of my daily life, and I'm working up the courage to do, go to confession for the first time. The journey has brought me closer to God, and I am experiencing a profound feeling of peace because I know God is with me always, but... This is also a very lonely journey. It's extremely difficult to find practicing Catholics amongst my peers. My family and my partner are not religious, and a lot of people are downright hostile when they find out about my beliefs or just think that there's something wrong with me. This is very common in my country. On top of that, my fellow churchgoers are all senior citizens, and the fellowship I've been craving is nowhere to be found. I listen to some podcasts and follow a couple YouTube channels to fill that void, but it's a poor substitute. My only friends who do believe in God are Protestants, as most of the Netherlands is Protestant. I've even thought about converting, not because I think their way is the true way to God, but just because I feel so alone in my faith. I just want to share my joy. I could do with some advice, so keep on singing. I love it. All right, so a few things. First of all, I just want to acknowledge that is challenging. It must be very difficult to not have your peers who you are close to in your family, in your workplace environment, in your neighborhood, who are also Catholic. It must be very lonely. So I, I want to acknowledge like that that weight you feel is very, very real. Um, and so I would, number one, allow the loneliness to be a bridge to draw you to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus even deeper in the Word of God, Jesus even deeper in the sacraments. Like there is a place and a space that only God can fulfill. And he would never, he would never want you to leave the sacraments to fill that void. Uh, no person, no matter how awesome they may be, can ever Feel that, that void, that ache, that thirst that only God can do, and specifically in the sacraments and in, in, in receiving the Eucharist and adoring Him in adoration and reading His Word and Scripture. So, with that being said, can you participate in like small group Bible studies with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are not Catholic, Protestants, Evangelicals? Yeah, sure. Like, that's totally fine. I have some very close friends of mine who are not Catholic, who are evangelical, who are Protestant, who are Methodist, who are Baptist, all, all over the place, who I enjoy fellowship with. But I would never leave the sacraments because of that, right? And so I would definitely do that. Um, uh, they, they can edify you. You can edify them. There's nothing wrong with having virtuous, holy friendships with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. But in addition to that, I would encourage you to maybe reach out to the, the current community at the parish. If there are elderly people, especially elderly women um, that you can lean into relationship with. Number one, ask them to join you in prayer and fasting. Ask them if they would participate in prayer and fasting for you to find more community 
people who are your age, other mothers in your community who you could relate better with. Ask them also if they'll be willing to maybe offer a night of babysitting. And so that way you can promote it in the geographical boundaries of your parish. And you can say, hey, we have babysitters available at the parish. Drop your kids off there. We're going to do a happy hour and a holy hour where you, you get together and you do an hour of prayer before the Eucharist. And then you go out for an hour and grab cocktails or drinks with other people in the community. And you're able to just have fellowship with other moms or whatever. And so that's another thing you could do uh, as well. Number three would be to, to bring this to your pastor's attention, like, hey, pastor, hey, father, whoever you are, whoever the priest is out there, like, this is a need. And he might also be hearing that need from other people that you aren't aware of. And maybe he'll be able to connect you with other people. Uh, that's one of my friends. He has this gift of when he meets people, he always connects them with other people who are in similar circumstances. Because sometimes we feel like we're alone. We feel like I'm the only one. And then what we don't know is there are other people who are also feeling that same way. So maybe if you bring this to the light to your pastor, he might have an idea of another person, one person in your, in your community who you can um, enter into a healthy, holy, and mature friendship with. Uh, sometimes the Lord is putting this fire in your heart because he wants you to be the one to take care of it because other people are probably feeling the same way. Um, St. Catherine Drexel did this when she went to, to Rome to meet with the Pope. She said, Father, Holy Father, there's all these black people and Native Americans in America who are suffering from you know, racial injustices. Uh, please, you got to send missionaries to America. And uh, Leo Thirteenth, Pope Leo Thirteenth, said to St. Catherine Drexel, uh, he said to her, well, why don't you be the one to take care of them? You be a missionary. And so... Uh, I just want to encourage you to pray and to fast and to, to bring us to the light, but you be the missionary to, to get something started in your parish so that you not only won't be alone, but so that it could be a gift for other people who I'm pretty sure might be there, but you don't see because they're, they've also maybe showed up and they're like, well, I, I don't belong here. But potentially they've brought that to the parish pastor or someone in the parish staff who could be a point of connection for you and other young adults in, in your community because fellowship is necessary. Again, in the early church, the apostles were devoted not only to worship, breaking the bread, the sacraments, not only to study, not only to prayer, but they were devoted to fellowship. And so I think that it would be very good true and beautiful if God provided for you that fellowship. So I promise you this, I'm offering up Mass uh, this afternoon, and I will make you my special intention at Mass that, that the Lord sends you at least one holy, holy person in your life that you can have good fellowship with and that can accompany you uh, in your walk toward eternity. All right, that's it for today's show. I look forward to continuing our time together and becoming saints so that we can not only abide with Jesus on earth, but so that we can remain with Jesus and the entire body of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. God bless. Mm-hmm.